Good morning, All Seasons. It is so good to see you. Uh, Easter is over, so where do we go now? Uh, where do we head from talking about salvation and talking about all that He's done for us? And So over the next several weeks, I'm going to be jumping into and dealing with this topic, and, I'm, and I'll hit it from different angles. Uh, we've, we've entitled it Culture War. The Culture War. And how do we as Christians deal with all that we are seeing, all the mass shootings, all the problems, all the deals that's going in schools, all the, just every time there's a headline, every time there's something that's going on and it just causes us to like want to withdraw and like, look, you can't hardly turn on the TV, you can't hardly watch anything without something worldly trying to be pushed at you, something, uh, uh, you know, and, and even the beer people right now figure finding out that you can't do anything without being pushed and and it's just a crazy world we live in i mean it's just humorous that like we can't just can't just stay we got to keep pushing we got to keep and that's the world understand that is the way the world functions it's not a happy people and because they're not happy well, what do we need to do next to be happy what do we need to do next to fix our unhappiness that's always the way it will be the bible says the heart of man is never satisfied therefore hell is enlarged daily so in other words, God says, I built hell a certain size, but I have to keep increasing it because people aren't satisfied. You would think that they would come to a conclusion that this won't work, but they don't. They just keep pushing headlong, harder, into, into just more stuff that we shake our head at, and you can't even hardly stop at a quick stop without worrying about whether he's going to shoot you or whether they're stealing your credit card number. or what. It, it doesn't matter where you go. This is the world. And so we as Christians, how do we react into this culture war? How do we live out our Christian life in this society that we're living in? Because let me go ahead and explain it to you. It's not getting better. I know, I know what the politician told you last week. Everything's good. It's all going to get better. Let me go ahead and give you some truth. It's not. And it won't. They're lying to you. That's what they do. They go to school, become Political scientists, do you know why? So they can lie to you with a straight face. That's their job. So if that's your hope, I don't have no idea why you're here. Because if that's what your hope's in, you, 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 got, you, you, you went for a long, sad haul. But if you're here, then it's how do we as Christians change, work in, deal with our culture as messed up as it is, as dysfunctional as it is. Well, we're going to use the stories of Daniel because Daniel is someone who was taken into a culture that's totally different. He's put in a situation that, that he, is a, he is a slave, he, he is a bond servant, he's, he's, he basically has been indentured to the king for the rest of his life. He, he, this is his new world. How do you in that world, in that situation, make a prominent change, make, a, make a, any type of significant move for God? And we're going to talk about that. And this morning, we're going to begin with the first thing that you've got to have if you're going to survive the culture war, if you're going to overcome it. And I'm going to try to be easier than I was in the first service. Uh, first service, I just, I just trying to point all of that out, and, and it's in me, and sometimes it angers me. Is that okay? So that, it just angers me. Uh, because as a pastor, I have, I have one goal. And that goal is, is for you to have everything that God wants you to have. The, girl, the, the world has another goal. It's for you to learn to live with what they give you. Whatever you're in right now, just learn to live with it. I preached a sermon many years ago called You'll Get Used to It. And, and, and I, I used several different illustrations. I had somebody with a cigarette and, 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 and somebody, you know, they said, here, do this. And of course, if you try it the first time, whatever, you <coughs> You'll cough. It's like, oh my goodness. Oh, just keep doing it. You'll get used to it. If you dip the first time and you put it in your, under your lip and it's like, oh, that's nasty and stuff running out of your mouth. Keep doing it. You'll get used to it. And then I took a cow turd. And I said, here, chew on this. They're like, oh, that's nasty. I said, just keep doing it. You'll get used to it. You'll get used to it. Think of the stuff that you're used to now that five, ten years ago you wouldn't have done. Think of the stuff you watch. Think of the stuff you would text. Think of the stuff, some of the pictures of yourself you'd send places. 
You wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have took a picture of yourself like that five, ten years ago. You'd do it now. See, we live in a world that the world says, keep doing it. You'll get used to it. Keep doing it. It'll get easier. It won't hurt as bad tomorrow. So as a pastor, we have this conflict. So it angers me sometimes. I'm like, guys, this is where God wants your life. He wants you, I mean, happy and, and, and man... And the world is saying, oh, no, you don't want to do all that. Just, just get used to what you're doing. Hide what you don't like until it all becomes normal for everybody. Then you can pull it out and say, look, I've been doing that for years. You have a choice. So we're going to walk through this. And I'm going to try to bring it in in a way that I don't lose my cool. Is that okay? Just, just look at your person beside and say, pray, Pastor, don't lose his cool. And there we go. So the first step in this... Being able to overcome, to live in this world, in our society, to, to war with all that the enemy is bringing at us, is to first learn to shine. You've got to learn to shine. Yeah, you're saved. We went through Easter last week. Most everybody's saved, right? You good? Believe in Jesus? Believe He died on the cross? Rose from the dead? We all done celebrated that. Hunted Easter eggs? Got all that done? Now let's get to reality. Reality is now Jesus looks at His disciples and says, now go win the world. Go as a like sheep among wolves. Go carrying this gospel. Go, I need you to shine. I want you to be like cities on a hill. If I, if I have a lamp, a light, and, and I, I don't hide it under a bushel, I put it on the mantle where everybody can see it. All these illustrations are all to show you that your job from this moment on is to shine. To stick out for all the right reasons. Not for the wrong reasons. Shine for the gospel. Shine for God. Yeah, I accepted Jesus. Yeah, I said I was sorry. Now what? Let's shine. Well, what does that look like, Brother Light? Well, let's look at this story of Daniel and let's kind of, kind of walk through a little bit of it. And we'll, we'll show you what I'm talking about. Go with me first to Psalms 137, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 137. And, and this psalm is about the people being led to Babylon. Israel did not want to do what God wanted them to do. Israel, as a people, decided, look, we want to, we want to have other gods. We want to do our own thing. We don't want to worship you. We, we, we want to be able to do what we want to do and when we want to do it. And God said, listen, as long as you are serving me, blessings are coming. But the moment you don't, then the things that have come on these other nations, I'm going to let them come on you. And one of that is wars. One of that is, if, if I'm not fighting for you, you're going to get beat. And so he chose a country by the name of Babylon to be the, the, the country, the city, the nation that would really cause havoc to Israel. In fact, Babylon would come and destroy the temple, would come and destroy all their land, would haul off their young people, would take away all their, their intelligent people, people who had skills. Let's say you were a carpenter, and they'd say, oh, you're a good carpenter. Good, we're hauling you back. And, and, and you'd say, well, what can you do? Well, I'm not good at anything. Kill that one. And, and so this was kind of the mindset. They were taking the best of Israel back to Babylon. Young teenagers that were smart, had high IQs. They were taking them and they said, we're going to bring you back. We're going to, we're going to put you under the eunuchs and we're going to teach you our language. We're going to teach you everything that we, we're going to teach you how to act like Babylonians. We're going to train you how to forget what you used to do and how to learn to do what we do. We're going to teach you how to, how to be worldly. We're going to teach you how to serve our gods. We're going to teach you how, we're going to teach you to forget your God. That was the whole purpose. And so this is the song that's written in Psalms during this time. And here's what it says. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. When we remembered what it used to be, when we remembered how we used to have it, how God used to bless us, how things used to be good. When we remembered that, we're thinking, how did we get here? How did we end up in this abortion clinic? How did we end up in this hospital? How did we end up in this bed with this dude, with this girl? How did I end up here? How did I end up in this job? How did I end up in this crack house? How did I end up with you messed up friends? How did I end up? You ever get to a point where you just look around and you feel like, what am I doing here? I'm in the wrong place. I'm in the wrong situation. 
I've done turned a wrong turn somewhere. I've done something and I have messed up royally. Well, that's what Israel's doing. They're saying, I remember when I used to have it good, when life used to be good. But let me tell you, it's not good right now. We're slaves in bondage and we're being told as we're headed to Babylon and we're sitting by the rivers of Babylon. Here's what they say. They said, sing us a song. Go ahead and sing us one of those gospel songs. Sing us one of those Christian songs. You know how, while you're doing your worldly stuff, you like to play Caleb. That'll help you. Live what you want to do, text what you want, act the way you want, but as long as you play Caleb, it's all good, right? Well, that's what they're saying. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked us a song. And those who plundered us requested myrrh saying, sing us one of those songs of Zion. You know, one of them upbeat songs, them happy songs. But how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let me forget how to do what I do. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above any other chief joy or any other happy thing that happens. If I raise anything above the praise that I have for God, the praise that I have, if, if I do, then just let my tongue just cling to the top of my mouth. That, that's, how, that's how serious it is. It's, it's a decision. It's a choice to say, I'm either going to serve the Babylonian side of it or I'm going to serve the Jerusalem side of it. And that's what every one of us as Christians, we have to decide. And let me give you a, a new term for it. Practical atheism. Inside most churches, we have practical atheists. In other words, determining on, if I'm in here today and we're singing a happy song, man, I believe God can do anything. But now tomorrow when I'm in a different situation and the pressure's on in a different circumstance, I may have to change what I believe. You know, I may, may have to get a little quieter. may have to, you know, just not want, I don't want to cause no problems. It's called practical atheism. When people aren't treating you, bragging on you, but you're standing just because it's the right thing to do, it becomes hard. It's hard to sing the songs of Zion and be excited about God when you're in a strange land. When you're somewhere that you don't feel comfortable. When you're at a party and everybody there drinks but you. When you when you hanging around people and everybody cusses but you. When you're at work and everybody does talks about who they're flirting with and sleeping with and all the stuff going on and, and everybody brags and laughs about it but you. It's not easy when everybody's talking about their fourth and fifth and twelfth marriage. And you're sitting there saying, Hey, I met this one when I was twenty five. I was a virgin when I met. I've been with her for thirty years and we're still rolling. That sounds like something you would brag about. But let me tell you something. You walk around worldly people and share that story right there, and they don't, they don't say, man, that is so cool. No, they're like, mm, goody two-shoes over there. Why? Because it's hard. It's hard to be who you're supposed to be in a strange land. You learn to want to talk like them. Some of y'all ain't no more ghetto than my tennis shoes, but you like to act like, I'm the bad. I'm bad. No, you're not. You redneck country. You're from Mississippi. You ain't got no bad in you. Ain't got no ghetto in you. Poor don't qualify. If that's the case, I'm ghetto as it got. Nobody more ghetto than me. I'm so poor I couldn't pay attention. You'll get that in a little while. But listen to me. That's our, that's our problem. We, we're trying to be practical atheists. When do, I, when do I praise God? If I'm around the right people, I can really talk godly. And if I'm around the wrong people, I'll just be quiet and just don't push anything. And then we wonder why our lives get caught up in all this chaos. The word Babylon, let me just give it to you this way. He says here, we sat down by the rivers of Babylon. Babylon is the second most mentioned city in the whole Bible. All the way from, 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 to, to Revelations, it's mentioned. All the way to Revelations, Babylon's going to be talked about. 
Why? Because here's what Babylon means. It means the gate of God's. Till the time Jesus returns, let me tell you what Babylon represents. It's a gate to a new God. It's the gate to fentanyl. It's the gate to crack. It's the gate to Budweiser. It's the gate to YouTube. It's the gate to Tic Tac. Tic Tac, whatever y'all call it. I don't know. I don't watch that junk. It's the gate to Dish Network, so you can watch whatever you want to, whenever you want to. Take all the ratings off. Watch more than you need to. It's the gateway to God's. That's what Babylon is. And when, when they're carrying these people to Babylon, they're saying, we're fixing to show y'all what it's really like. We're going to show you what life really is. We're going to show you how good it is. Man, we got gods for everything. We got gods for sex. We got gods for fertility. We got gods to help your garden grow. We got gods in the sky. We got gods in the atmosphere. Man, we got all kind of gods. Any kind of problem you got, we got a god for it. You don't feel good, we got a pharmaceutical god. We'll pump you up and give us something to make you feel better about yourself. We're, we're the gateway to gods. Don't like your music? We're the gateway to gods. We got music, all kind of music. Music you can't even understand what they're saying. Don't matter, you like the beat. We are the gateway to gods. And we're hauling these people into it. How do you, how do you handle this? How do you shine? Well, let me tell you what first has to happen. A problem. A problem is the first thing that has to take place. And it don't take long, does it? At school, there's a problem. At work, there's a problem. There's just got to be a problem. Look at the person beside you and say, you got any problems? You got any problems? And smile at them and say, then you know what you got? You got an opportunity. Yes, that's all it is. When, when, you, when you, somebody says, I got a problem, you just smile and say, up oh, there's your door. How do you, why? Let me show you in Daniel. Daniel's been hauled off. Daniel has been going through all of this, having to try to fight off all this stuff. And, and, and he's finally survived the food situation. We'll go back there later and talk about this in another time. But, but he's finally said, well, we can't eat this stuff y'all eating and we can't do this. And, and, and he's been promoted. At the end of chapter 1, Daniel has been like promoted. And, and it's like, wow, man, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm going to make it in here. And for a little while, it looks good until this problem comes along, a big problem. In chapter 2 of Daniel, the king starts having dreams. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, starts having dreams. And he calls all the soothsayers, and he calls the, the palm readers, and he calls the Chaldeans, and he calls this, and he dials the, the hotline to be able to get everything he wants and get his numbers and his bingo and everything else he can get. And he's done, done everything he can do. Calls them all in and says, I got a problem. They're like, we can help you, king. That's what we do. He said, I've dreamed a dream, and I need to know what it means. They said, no problem, king. Tell us what you dreamed, and we will, we will answer it for you. Just tell us what you dreamed. And, and he said, oh, no, I know how you sorry suckers are. That's basically what he said. I know how you sorry suckers are. He said, if I tell you the dream, then you're going to come up with some crazy interpretation and give me what I want to hear. Just like those signs you see going to Vicksburg. Them big signs every five feet. Shows people winning money. Got too much money to know what to do with. And all they're doing is saying, sucker, sucker, sucker. Because they don't show you all the idiots that come back losing the check they had from last week. Because let me explain something to you. They don't build them things by losing money. They may put one on the billboard that won something, but let me tell you, the other 99, they didn't stick up there. They just give you a free drink and say, hey, come back again. We like you. Next time's your time. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar said, look, I know how you guys work. If I tell you what I dreamed, you're going to give me some crazies. He said, we're not doing that. He said, you tell me what I dreamed. You tell me what I dreamed, and you tell me what it means. 
Or I'm gonna, and, and this is what he basically said, or I'm going to tear the limbs off of you. I'm going to tear your arms off, I'm going to tear your legs off, and watch you bleed to death sitting in front of me. And then just know while you're bleeding to death, I'm going to go to where your house is, and I'm going to bulldoze it all down, and I'm going to dock it all the way down to where there's nothing. So by the time I'm through with you, they won't remember who you were, what you were, or where you came from. And this is the response, verse 10 of chapter 2. I love this. this. I tell you all the time that I have favorite scriptures, but now this is one you can write down because this is one of Pastor Lot's favorite. Period. And I say that all the time, but I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious on this one. This is one that I pull from all the time. Because of what I do every day, this is one I pull from. Here's what it says. And the Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician, astrologer, or any Chaldean. He's basically saying, look, you stack the deck against us, and the only way we win in this worldly kingdom is if we got the deck stacked on our side. But if you're going to do it this way, let me tell you something. There is no one that has ever won that fight. There's no one that's ever won that battle. Everybody loses when the deck is stacked against them in the world. That's the way it's set up. And he said... King, you can't do this because we can't succeed in this. This, It's impossible. And here's why it is. Listen to verse 11. It is a difficult thing that the king has requested. And there is no other who can tell it to you or to the king except the... See, they are the doorway to the God, the gateway to the gods. So pick your God. He said... The only person that can answer your request is a God. Okay, well then get me a God. Here's the problem. Those or whose dwelling is not with, or your interpretation may say, who don't hang out with humans, who don't hang out in humanity. You say, brother, why is that your favorite scripture? Because every day of my life I get up. And what I'm told every day is, well, you know, the doctor said this, and that's just the way it's probably going. You know what happened, and you know that marriage is in trouble, and you know that kid is all sideways, and you know, and and, and there's really nothing we can do. The deck is stacked against us, and it ain't no way we can win. We just hope for the best. And we we may even say something nice like, I'm going to be praying for you. You know how we do it when we don't believe anything good is going to happen? I just know I'm praying for you. But really what we're thinking to myself, God help them. God help them. I don't know how they're going to get out of that. I don't know how. Why? Because we're like the world in a lot of ways. We really are like them. We feel like, yeah, there's a God. We worshiped him last week. We said, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. But we don't really believe he hangs out with us. We don't really believe he's right beside us. We really don't believe he's ready to answer our prayer right now. But the difference is, is that when you really get the goods, and that's what God stays on me all the time. He said, Tim, you got your problem? Yeah, I got a problem. Now, Tim, I need to need to know the answer. Is there a God in heaven? Is there a God? Yes. That ain't the problem, Tim. Is there a God that's close enough to get a hold of? And all of a sudden, I get excited. I said, yes, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The Chaldeans had it half right. Yes, there's only one answer to your problem. Every one of you in this room for your problems, let me explain very clearly. There is only one answer. It's not your mama. It's not Facebook. It's not a drug. It's not something you can drink. It's not something you can sleep with. It's not something you can date. It's not something that you can have. But it is a God that reigns and rules over man. And what makes it better than that is that that God is reachable and touchable. The Chaldeans had it half right. It's going to take a God. Yes, but they missed the other part when they said, but we can't touch God. Oh, but you messed up there. I'm one that can touch God. I'm one that can reach out to God. I'm one that can talk to God. I'm one that can have prayers answered. I'm one where God shows up and shows out in my everyday life. Oh, if you could grasp that. But most of us, when we hit our problems, the next thought in our mind is, oh, it's going to end bad. Because we don't say there isn't a God. That'd, that'd be really bad to say that. I mean, that'd kind of show your hand, wouldn't it? So somebody will say, don't you believe in God? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, don't you believe He's going? Well, I know He can. That ain't what I asked. I said, is He going to? Well, I know He could. 
That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you, will he? Do you know him well enough to know, yes, he will. He's promised it. And he will not fail. See, the Chaldeans had it half right. And I love that scripture. When I get down, sometimes I read that scripture. And it's like, Tim, do you get it? Is there a God close enough to you to grab? Or are there gods so far away you can't be healed or touched? you got to figure that out. Is your God just somebody you read about in a book and celebrated Christmas and Easter? Or is your God somebody who walks with you, who promised you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be with you to the end of the way? Which one do you serve? Three things I need to share with you real quick. How do I shine, Brother Lot, in this situation? Daniel is, is in a tough situation. Here's the problem. Daniel is one of those people. And the moment they say, we can't do this, only God can do this, he said, uh-huh, I knew that. He said, I'm going to have you all killed immediately. And he told the guard, go out and start killing them. Just, just kill them all. And, and the chief guard, go with me to verse 14 through 16. What do you do when problems come? Let me read to verse 18 and I'll show you this. Then the counsel and the wisdom of Daniel answered Arioch. Arioch is the chief guard who has been sent out with his men to kill all the astrologers, to kill all the... Anybody that is part of that group, kill them all. And the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. That's his job. That's what he was told to do. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is this decree from the king so urgent? In other words, why, why, is this, why has he just done this all of a sudden? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Verse 17 and 18. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Haniah and Mishael and, and Azariah. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His companions that they might seek the mercies of, from God, the heaven, concerning the secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Being, being in the middle of this thing didn't save them just because they are godly people. didn't save them from all the problems. They're fixing to get killed like everybody else unless God shows up and does something. So what do you do when if something like this or a problem like let's say you're at work and all of a sudden you know what if we don't get this we don't get this figured out everybody in this department's going to get fired i'm just firing everybody we're going to rehire everybody and, and and you're sitting there thinking i didn't even bring this on i wasn't the the guy that caused the problem and here i am i'm going to go down with the ship with the rest of these what do you do most of us will get on internet immediately start job hunts Right? Come on, let's be honest. You done got on faith. This idiot up here at our workplace done messed everybody's job up. Come on, let's just... I, well, that's, I'm only going to say it'd be you. Somebody you know would do that. You, you, you would go in... I mean, you done called three or four people. Can I tell you what just happened? Now, don't tell nobody. This done got crazy up here. I got to get out of here. Imagine Daniel... Daniel could have went back home and, and, and said, look, you three, get you some, some stuff packed real quick because we fixed to sneak out of this place. There's some folks fixed to get killed, and I don't want to be one of them. They could have done a myriad of things. They could have, they could have tried to find some way to hide. They could, they could have done anything. But here's what Daniel does, and this is what you need to learn. In the middle of your trouble, how do I face troubles when they come? Number one, don't jump to conclusions. Catch your thoughts. Calm yourself down. Let me give it to you in a Tim Lott godly term. Don't freak out. Don't, don't go freaking out. Like, get on Facebook, do this, don't, don't spread thousands bad things all over everything. And it's like, catch your thoughts. Catch your thoughts. Number two, gather information. If I've got someone who has cancer, 
And we have that from time to time. People here, I know you're like, oh, they go to church here. It doesn't save us from problems. Let's say somebody's diagnosed with cancer. Okay, what are you going to do? Well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm not just going to say, oh, man, they're going to die. No, I don't go thinking crazy stuff like that. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen to their family. I wonder what's going to No. Do those thoughts try to get in your brain, Brother Lot? Oh, yeah. Just like normal people. It's like, oh, no, no, no. We're not even going there. No. I gather the information. I go to the person. Tell me what the doctor has said. Well, doc, the doctor says, I got this situation, and we're going to do a surgery, and if it doesn't get all of it, then that could cause problems, and I need, I need to be able to... So, so, so okay, that's, that's where you're at. We're fixing to have surgery, and we, and we need... Okay. Then I go open the Word of God. Lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. I'm gathering information. I've got some negative information. And I got some positive information. But it's all legitimate information. Now, I'm just explaining to you how I pastor, how, how, how you have to live real life day after day, and I've been doing this for a long, long time. I don't want, oh, I just don't want to hear nothing about that. I don't want to, no, no, tell me. Tell me what I'm fighting. Tell me what it is that the, the doctor said. Tell me what the best scenario, worst scenario. Go ahead and tell me. Okay, that's what we're fighting. That's the enemy. Now, here's what God's Word said. Here, here, here's what I have found out. Here's what I know. So now, number three, what I do is, once I have collected my thoughts, when I have gathered information, then I pray. And if it's real bad, I pray and fast. Because what am I doing then? I'm carrying all the information that I've got, and I'm putting it on God, to God, to do so. Daniel, here's what the Bible says. That Daniel gathered his friends together and they prayed. They didn't run. They didn't try to find a hiding place. They didn't try to get out of town. They didn't just let, sit, in a, sit in a corner eating their last meal thinking, well, I guess we're going to die. I guess they're going to come in here. Anyway. No. They gathered their thoughts. Some of you in this room need to quit thinking the crazy things you keep thinking is going to happen. Well, you know it ain't going to work out. Quit thinking it. Fight it. How do I fight it, brother? Gather the information. Yep, there's a few crazy. Yep, there's a few. But find what God's Word says about it. Find what, tape it to your steering wheel. Put it on your, every time you go to the refrigerator, read the five scriptures that God's given you. Fill yourself up. I had a person several years ago that who had a son who, who, who was just really had problems. He had, had major issues. And, and, and they were, they were going to have to do something with him. And they, they said, look, we heard that you could pray and, and, and different things like that. And I said, well, yeah, I pray. I believe God. And I knew their background was not, not really believing in prayer or strong in prayer. So I gave them like three different books, three different books on prayer, three different books on healing, three different books on this. And I said, I'm coming back in two weeks. And when I walk in here in two weeks, we're going to see a miracle. And, and, and it was so crazy because two weeks later, I, said, I called him. I said, have you read the books? Yes, yes. I said, do you believe God's going to heal that kid? Yes, I do. I, I said, then good. I'm, I'm coming over Tuesday. I got over Tuesday night. There was two pastors, a song director, and everybody from other churches. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, look out now. And of course, in their own religious way, they were like, now, is it all right if we pray? And I said, knock yourself out. And one of them said a beautiful prayer. And then the other one said, I'm going to pray. And he laid a beautiful prayer. And I'm just sitting back like, well, this ain't what we came to do. But it's fun to hear. And then all of a sudden, they run out of people to pray. And the father looked over and said, all right, Pastor Lot. And I stood up. I looked at that boy. I said, son, I'm going to lay my hands on you. And when I do, you're going to see fire. I said, I don't, I don't know if you understand that, but you're going to see fire. And I said, you won't be the same because your mom and dad believe it. And all I need is somebody to agree with me. That's all I need. I don't, I don't need a lot of praying. I ain't got to do a lot of words. I just need somebody to agree with me that they've settled it they got the information, they know, and now it's like, we're going to pray. You ever notice Jesus when He prays for sick people in the Bible? You know how He would hold their hands and He would just kneel down and for like hours they'd just pray. Or do you remember Jesus walking up to people, by your faith, let it be unto you, and lay His hand on them and they're healed? Which one do you want praying for you? I want the one believing, you're fixing to get it. 
I've done done my, I've done done my evaluations. I've done done my research. I've done done all of that before I got here. I didn't come here to whine out my research. I came out here to go ahead and tell you we've done come with a conclusion. The conclusion is God, by His stripes, you were healed. I don't come with a conclusion. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I don't come with my conclusion. I just came to bring it to your problem. <laughs> oh. Daniel and those men began to pray. They knew they could die. They knew they needed an answer. They knew exactly. We need you to tell us the dream, God. And if you don't, we're going to die with them. That's the way it's going to work. You've got to do something. And that night, Daniel has a dream. And God reveals to him the answer. Number two. I've got to hurry. Once you know how to deal with your problem, control your thoughts, gather your information, and then pray until the answer is settled in you. You may not even see it all yet, but it's settled in you. Number two, then how do you deal with an answer? What do you do when the answer comes? That sounds strange, doesn't it? What, how do you handle the answer? Because let me tell you, sometimes the answer ain't much better than the problem. Daniel's asking for an answer and you think, oh, he's excited, he's got an answer. The only problem is the dream that his, the king has is so bad, it's probably going to get Daniel killed when he tells it to him. He wants to know the dream. Oh, but the answer to the dream is, king, you ain't going to last forever and there's going to be other kingdoms. But there's one kingdom, which is a super great kingdom. That's the one that's going to last forever and ain't yours. Just thought I'd tell you. This is a king that's fixed to pull people's arms off. You think he's excited about knowing that the answer to my prayer is, I'm going to lose my kingdom one day? How do you handle your answers? Number one, or understand... First, when you get an answer from God, praise God for it. Praise God for it. Go, go to verse 19 through 23, Daniel 19 through 23. This is what it says. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in the night of the vision. So Daniel blessed the Lord. First thing he did, began to praise God. Just begin to praise God. Listen to what he says. For wisdom, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for from wisdom and might are His. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkest and the light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have made known the, of what we ask of you. What I needed from you, you gave it to me. So if I'm dealing with that cancer person, and, and, and we're dealing with that. The Bible says, okay, pray for healing. And you pray for the healing. But now the person says, look, the doctor says we got to do surgery. We're going to try. Okay, we've prayed. It don't seem like the x-ray didn't show that it's gone. Well, what does that do? Does that discourage you? No, just means we got to walk this thing through. Then I'm still believing that God is going to heal you. Whatever means he chooses, I'm still holding on to healing. We're going to go through this surgery and everything's going to be all right. We go through the surgery and all of a sudden they say, well, we're not sure if they got everything. We got No, no, I'm holding on. I'm hanging in there. I'm not letting go. I'm going to keep praising God. I'm praising Him for the healing. I'm praising Him for the deliverance. I'm, I'm, I have not got my answer yet. Hey, we're going to have to do one more little surgery. We're going to have to do this. Okay, let's do whatever we got to do. You say, brother, why does that happen? Let me tell you, this week I got a text. From, from a lady that gave me final word on that. And we've been praying for months and we've done praying through two surgeries and I finally got the text from her this week and said, I just wanted you to know how good God was. We came in, I'm 100% cancer free. There's no cancer in my body. And we've been through that all of the rigor. But let me tell you, I didn't praise God until then. And then all of a sudden I laid the phone down and I started walking around and I started saying, there is no God like my God. There is no one that can do what my God. There's no doctor there's no scientist there's no surgeon there's no anybody let them hold their mouth open let them be shocked and awed let them can't realize what happens I know there's a God in heaven that can do what nobody else can do you gotta have a praise you gotta have a praise then you gotta take action he went straight to the guard and said let me see the king this ain't a great word I don't care I gotta go tell a king 
you got to take action. And then you got to turn the focus of it to God. I, I love this part. Go with me to verse 26. Daniel walks in and here's what happens. And the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Well, he seems to kill him. I mean, that's just all there is to it. The king's like, you know what I'm asking for. And you know what happens if you don't come up with it. And Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, what does he say? King, I came by to tell you, ain't none of us can do it. You want a quick way to get killed? You start off your sentence that way. King, I just want to let you know, ain't none of us, none of us can, can do what you're asking. Why does he do that? Why don't he just come in there and say, yes, I have the answer, because he's giving glory to God. Listen to me. He's giving glory to God. He starts off by saying, I, don't, I can't do this, King. I don't have the ability to do it. But the very next verse says this, but there is a God in heaven. How, how does that stuff happen, Pastor Lot? Because there's a God in heaven. How did you get through? Because there is a God in heaven. Daniel said, let me go ahead and flip the script on you, King. You don't have an astrologer. You don't have a scientist. You don't have a pimp. You don't have a drug supplier. You don't have nothing. You don't have a quick stop to sell you enough stuff behind the counter that can get you what you need. But I know one thing. There's a God in heaven that can solve your biggest problems. Boy, if I, had, if I didn't have to hurry up, I'd go ahead and just dance for a little while in front of y'all. Because that's a good place for me to stop because my mind starts going back through all the junk I've been through. And let me tell you something, every answer's always been the same. You can't make it, Tim. Yeah, I know I can't, but there's a God in heaven who can you can't, you can't beat this. I know I can't, but there's a God in heaven who can't. He can do it all. Is there anything too hard for God? There's a God in heaven who reveals secrets. He's made known to the king of Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days of your dream and your visions of your head that was on your bed were these. In other words, he tells him, he says, you were worried about how your kingdom was going to go. You were worried about how it was all going to end. That's what you were praying about and thinking about. And God walked in your bedroom. You had it in your mind. I wonder how my kingdom will turn out. I wonder how this is going to go. And God said, let me just go ahead and give you a blip on the screen. And here's the dream that Daniel interpreted. He said, King, you saw a statue. A statue standing. He said the head was of gold. The, the chest was of bronze, the silver arms, and, and then the legs from the hips down become iron. And he says, as it gets near the knees and it starts working its way down, it, it starts weakening. It gets to be clay mixed with iron, and, and by the time it gets to the toes, it's very little iron, it's just a little clay. He said, then all of a sudden in your dream, seeing this statue standing there, you see this rock that was not cut out of a mountain, hewn out of a mountain, but it just comes out and it smashes into the legs and it smashes into the statue and it is an explosion. And when the smoke clears, the only thing that's left is the rock. This rock is the only thing left and, and everything else has been knocked to dust. All the gold, all the silver, all the been beat to, to just dust. And he said, then the wind comes and blows all the pieces away. The only thing that remains is the rock. He said, let me tell you what you saw, king. He said, what you saw was your kingdom, which is the purest kingdom. You are the great king. Nebuchadnezzar, you are the great king. The greatest king there'll ever be. And he said, that's why you're the golden head. And after you, there will be Alexander the Great, and we know the Medo-Persians, we know... All of these are coming behind you. And he said, finally, the Romans, these are a fierce people, a iron, brutal people. People that came up with a crucifixion. And he said, but in time, 
the old Roman alliances will break down. And even today, what we call Western civilization, it's partly the Roman world mixed in with our Western culture. He said that's where it comes out. But in the last days, there will be finally another kingdom that will come. And when it comes, it will destroy all. It is the kingdom of God. He said it isn't just going to come then. He said it's already coming. And it's mixed in through all of the other. Can you understand? Daniel is mixed in with the gold. And through the prophets and through time, Jesus will be in the, in the, in the iron. And by the time Western culture gets to the end, he said his kingdom will be the only thing. And when that rock hits that statue, when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom, no other kingdom will stand. No, no remnants of any other kingdom. You know what's so funny is the world tries desperately to rewrite history. I'm, I just get tickled because I'm going to break it to y'all really bad. When Jesus comes back and rewrites history, there ain't going to be no other history. It ain't going to be like part history here, part... No, no. He said, everything's blowing away except my kingdom. I will reign and rule and there will be no other. My kingdom. Now, number three. When I stand as God's representative, how do I shine? How do I shine in a problem? How do I shine with the answer? But how do I shine when I'm His representative in the world? When I go back to school tomorrow, how do I shine for Jesus? How do I represent Him? If I go to work tomorrow, how do I represent Him? If I go to my family today and I have to be a mom, a dad, how do I represent, how do I shine for Jesus? Let me show it to you real quick. Use the Word. You can write this down. You got to know. Daniel was able to do what he was able to do to represent God in front of the greatest king that there had ever been, the mightiest kingdom on earth. Daniel, this little slave, teenage boy, is standing. Maybe, maybe he's in his mid 20s by now after he's been there for three years learning the language. He could be anywhere from, from 20 to about 25 years old. Now, he's still a very young, unimportant slave person who has no rank and yet he's standing in front of the most mighty king in the world and giving him the business. How? Number one, he uses the word. When you veer from the word, you become weak. When you say, I know what God says, but this is what, no, no, no. You lose it. The moment you leave the reservation of the Word. Here's what he says in verse 45. This is how he sums it up. Inasmuch as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron of bronze and clay and silver and gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is, in other words, you're not changing it. You wanted the truth? I've given it to you. You wanted to know? Then I've told you. You've got to know, just like Daniel had to know, what prophecy could do and could not do. You got to know what the Word of God can do and can't do. Listen to me, so this is so important. The Word of God can do whatever it says. And the Word of God cannot fail. It may take some of you in this room 10 more years to work that out of you. What do you mean, Brother Lot? Well, go with me to Romans. I'm going to show you a scripture. I'm going to help you a little bit. It may take 10 years to work this out of you. That's why you need to come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. You don't need to do it when you feel like it because your feelings done got you where you are right now. 
Don't go by your feelings. Here's what it says in Romans. Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto what? Salvation. In other words, that's what got you saved was the, was the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel. But listen, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So, okay, we got that. Verse 17, though. Listen. For in it, for in it, in other words, I'm saved. Now I'm in the Word. For in that process, the righteousness of God is revealed. In other words, you turning into the person you want to be, becoming righteous, becoming living right, doing right, being right. He says, it happens because just like you got saved through the Word of God and the grace of God, now as I hear the Word of God and I enact it into my life, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In other words, I read it, I hang on to it, and I prove that it's true. I read it, I hang on to it, and I prove that it's true. If you want to become a practical atheist, then it's going to mess you up. Because here's the thing. You're going to come to me and say, hey, I'd like to get married. Well, tell me your situation. Well, we already living together, you know, we got this going on. And I'm like, so you're living in fornication. And you want God to bless you. Well, we love each other. I didn't ask you to love each other. I don't really care about your feelings. I want to know, do you want to be right? Well, we want to be right. Then one of y'all need to be moving out. And if he really does care about you, don't, 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 don't let him show up in some bubblegum ring that he got from Walmart or Cracker Jack box. You tell him, go get a job. Tell him, I want three months of your whatever you're paid. If you say I'm paid $1,000 a month, that's how much I make, okay? Then I want no less than a $3,000 ring on my finger. I'll go help you pick it out. My wife didn't eat. We went ring shopping. She said, I like that one. I like that one. I like the shape of that one. I'm thinking, how about that little one over here? No. No, no. It didn't bother me a bit because I wanted her. And I'm like, if putting that on your finger gets me you, baby, whatever I got to do, I'm about to sell something. Something's fixing to have to go. No, you got to get this right. Because what happens is if you decide to become a practical atheist, well, we just love it. You know, we just, just kind of, you know, I know it ain't right, Brother Lob. We just do. No, no, it's, it's, it's messing up. It doesn't matter if you say we're just going to uh, fool around, we're going we're to we're we're have an abortion, we're going we're to we're smoke this, and you know, it's okay, but I, I drink a little over here, I do a little. No, whatever it is that you do that you know is not right, understand it's moving you away from faith. You can't say I'm growing in God and you're getting more worldly every day. This is how it works. I grow from faith to faith. Now, it's hard. I'm not looking at you like, y'all are bad people. Y'all... No, no, it's hard. I've been doing this for 40 years. Believe me, first thing God said, Tim, I need you to pay your tithes. And I'm like, God, I don't make but $70. That's $7. Lord, that's everything I got. You know how much get back in my day now? You're talking a few years ago. $7, you could fill up about any gas tank there was. And I'm like, God, that's a whole tank of gas. I, I mean, I'll give you what I know. God said, no, 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 you don't. Trust me. Uh, I can still see myself as a young person putting that $7 in the plate. And I was thinking, oh, oh, God, you sure better come through. God, because I'm telling you what, if I can't afford a Big Mac next week, I'm going to starve to death. It's not going to change. God says, let it go. Trust me. Faith. And guess what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm being very honest with you. My wife has to hold me back. If I could today, I'd write a check for everything I got. And I'd give it away today. My wife would tell you, he's telling you the truth. Why? Because for 40 years, I've never been in any situation that God hasn't made a way. Now, I'm not telling you to do that. That's not what my point is. It's telling you that 
Faith grew my faith, and faith grew my faith, and before long, it's like, it's just who I am. I, I, don't, I can't explain it to you. I, can't, I can just tell you that whatever I sow, I'm expecting harvest. Whatever I give to God, some way is going to bless me. I don't know how, and I don't know how He's going to get it to me, but my God has always been faithful. So wherever you're starting, it's where you're starting. It may just be, I gotta just show up to church every Sunday. Oh, it's hard. I gotta, you know, I ain't hardly got gas to get to church. Well, fine, be a surprise if you just kind of tell Pastor Lot, you know what, I was hurting on gas, and I slip you five dollars or ten dollars and say, Hey, you you done good. Get here. Somebody's gonna come along. Don't be surprised if, if God blesses you in some way. A check shows up and all of a sudden what you did, just understand God becomes in charge of growing you. For in it the righteousness of God's revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just will live by faith. So I have to learn, use the word. I also have to learn, don't water it down. Don't, don't change it to fit something that I'm doing. Don't, don't come up with this, well, God understands. No, He doesn't. His word is yes and no. It's, it's yay and amen. It, it's, it's, it just is. Number three. Go to verse 48. If you do what I'm asking you to do today, if you will. Then God has said in His Word, I will take care. Daniel does it. He stands in front of the king. He talks boldly. He doesn't, doesn't water down the words. He doesn't change it. He doesn't, he doesn't care that the king likes it or dislikes it. He just shares it. And, and notice verse 48. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering of incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets. Since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel. Look at the person beside you and say, promoted See, promotion doesn't come from the east to the west to the north to the south. It comes from God. When people say, Tim, how did you get here? God. That's it. It's real simple. God. If I get anywhere else, I'm going to tell you what the answer is going to be before I even get there. It was God. I can't, I can't control the hair growing on my head. I can't control the fact that I may not breathe after I walk out of here. I may die of a heart attack on my way home. I have no power. But there's a God in heaven. And I got a lot of confidence in Him. But notice the king. The Bible says the king worshipped Daniel. And the king said, Daniel, you're God. Let me explain something as you shine in this world. You're not going to win everybody to Christ. Some folks just like you being around because things go better when you're around. Notice that? Hey, why don't you come with us? Why? I th it's just a better atmosphere when you're around. It's okay. Because when you shine, people notice. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him Many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. <laughs> and chief administrator over the wise men of Babylon. In other words, all the curriculum about all the other gods up to that time was set up by the Chaldeans and set up by everybody else. Remember, they brought Daniel to Babylon to teach him about the gods. It didn't take but four years. And Daniel was in charge of all curriculum. He was in charge of teaching everybody else about who God really is. That's why later you hear the stories of the Chaldeans trying to get Daniel killed. That's why the lion's den story. It's not because they just didn't like Daniel. Daniel was over the curriculum. When the Chaldeans would say, well, this is how we do it. And Daniel would smile and say, and you do it wrong. 
We're not teaching that. You remember what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? I saved your life. Now hush. Stick it out. Hang in there. And see if God doesn't bless you. See, for some of you in this room, and I'm fixing to tell you to stand, we're through. It's been hard just to sit here for 30, 40, 50 minutes. You can go home and be messed up for the next two years and it seems easier than just learning for 50 minutes here. Because God of this world, He blinds you, fogs your mind, and makes you think in all of your moving you're going somewhere. But you're not. Slow down just a second. Think about it real clearly. And ask yourself, do you shine? Or are you becoming more, even though you would look at me and say, I believe in God. Are you becoming more of a practical atheist every day of your life? More like the world and less like Him. Can you stand? Now that's the first half of the first message. I'll preach the other half of shine next week. But I hope that I've started you thinking. Brother Lot, what would you hope from this message? What would you hope? Well, I told you from the beginning what my goal is. As your pastor, all I ever want every single day is for you to have the very best life that God has ordained for you. To not be in bondage, to not be in any addictions, not to be hooked on anything, not to be stuck on anything, not to be in, in bondage to anything. Jesus said, He whom I've set free is free indeed. My, my dream, a goal is, as a pastor is for you to be able to dream the biggest dreams and believe that you and God can get there. The opposite of that is what hurts me and what breaks my heart. It's what the world offers you today. The world says, hey, that's a great message he preached. Man, it worked for Daniel, but it won't work for you. You need to forget all that. And what you need to do is you need to walk out of here today and just be happy with what you get. Just be happy with what you get. Not what you can have what you get. And you'll spend most of your life saying, well, I guess I deserve that. Well, I guess I had that coming. And the devil will put his arm around you all the time and say, yeah, that's you. That's a little old messed up you. You're not like Pastor Lot. You're, you're, you're not like everybody else. You, you're, just a, you're just a mistake waiting to happen now. And you need to be happy with what you got. God sent me by to tell you that's not His plan. His plan is for you to have more than abundantly enough for life. I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance. Serving the Lord has not made my life less. Serving the Lord has given me the greatest life possible. And I don't want to hear about what happened to you next week. I don't want to hear about five years from now. You know what happened to them? I hope, with all of my heart as a pastor, I hope that you'll pursue faith and faith and faith instead of, well, I guess I could just learn to live with that. I don't want to see you one day chewing on some cow turd. And you look at me and say, well, I guess I got used to it. I got used to living with that. I got used to hanging with that. I guess I'll die with that. I hope you don't do that. Don't let this world deceive you or trick you. You were called to shine. 
You were called to shine. So shine. Father, I have said all I can say. <sighs> My heart is heavy. When I look over and I see young people and I see teenagers and I see people with their whole lives and I think, oh, if they could just grab this. I see moms with their kids and I, if they could just grab this. Dads. And if they could just grab it. To align with Your Word. To grow faith to faith and just fight through and, and shine in front of the problems that come. And watch You promote them and watch You raise them and watch You open doors that nobody can open and close doors nobody could have closed. Lord, that's my dream. And if I want it like I want it, I can't imagine how bad it hurts You. I can't imagine as You look down on Your kids and You say, oh, what I want for You. God, will You just for a moment touch them and just let them know let them feel your arms around them and say, I got you. I know you got hurt. I know it didn't work out, but I got you. I know, like Daniel, you ended up somewhere you didn't want to be and you ended up in a bad situation, but I got you. I can make a miracle, a blessing out of what the world says can't happen. Just trust me. You leave here today, just trust me and watch what I do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. Don't give that devil fits. <laughs>